Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast is brought to you by Hustler Hollywood, your one-stop shop for all things erotica, with 11 stores across the United States. Our sexy shelves are stocked with DVDs, books, lingerie, vibrators, butt plugs, lubricants, fetish gear, and bachelorette party supplies. At Hustler Hollywood, we know that sex is free. We only sell the accessories. If you're at our flagship store on the Sunset Strip, located across the street from the world-famous Rainbow, Roxy, and Whiskey, ask for Blaze or TC. Mention Energize, and you'll get a delicious discount on something delightfully dangerous. LF and LF, Lawn Friend and Larry Flint, energetically connected for more than 30 years. Scotty, Energize. Energize. If you hear my voice clearly this evening, it's because I'm back in the studio. I'm not on a $50 microphone on the south, north, west fringes of Las Vegas. I am in San Pedro at the foot of the Vincent Thomas Bridge, back at the L.A. Radio Studio. Mike Stark is on the other side of the glass. God, I, I sound like a zoo, morning zoo jock. Let me bring it down a little bit, Barry White fans. This is Lon Friend. This is Energize. And... To the infinitesimal but infinitely personal tribe of energized angels and demons that follow me from week to week. I know you're a small but passionate group. Don't get too far ahead if the little ones are straggling behind. Pause. Let them catch up. My deepest gratitude for you being here this evening. Why are you here? Why are you back there, Lon? Don't you live in the desert now? Yes. Why, why are you in San Pedro, asked the rhetorical bird. Well, I was at the NAM convention this weekend, the National Association of Music Merchants and Mental Mayhem in Anaheim, California. I was, my company was requested by one Christopher Bush, known as the Bush Man, who is a uh, government attorney in intellectual properties. But more than that, he owns the RIP trademark. And he has a vision to bring Rip Magazine back online. So I've um, been mentoring him through what was the most important element of our success? Integrity and relationships. So when you walk around Nam and guys who were in your pages 20 to 25 years ago are still doing it. They're, they need a little more dye in their whiskers. But they're hugging you, and they're, and, and hi, this is Chris, and he goes, I'm bringing Bush, bringing Rip back, and they just go, whatever you need, man, whatever you need, man. Just, I don't have to drop the names like anvils on the sand. There, it's there's just love out there, and it's beautiful, and I had a wonderful time. We went to the Randy Rhodes Jam, the tribute for the Great Fallen Flying V, Shredder, and it was really something. We went to this place in Anna in uh, Santa Ana called the observatory and I'm pretty sure it was the galaxy and the galaxy is where I saw the nymphs 20 some odd years ago when Inger blew her boyfriend on stage 
and it caused a riot, and I wrote about it. It's in the first chapter of Sweet Demotion. Um, I think I was in the same room. I got this kind of feeling. And, uh, whew, boy, did Nuno shred Diary of a Madman. I mean, it took it to another level. Brian, Brian Tishy was there. He had a lot to do to organize it. Joe Sutton, Sunset Boulevard Joe, Vodka Joe, Noel Kim treated me like royalty, which nobody has to do because I'm not royal. I'll never be royal. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a different kind of buzz, which segues us into the Grammys. I, um, Bushman said, dude, I've never been to Sunset Boulevard and I've never been to the Rainbow. He lives in Washington, D.C. He's a Texas boy. I said, okay, so do you mind driving an hour each way? He goes, dude, no. You have to, Lawn Friend has to show me the landmarks of Sunset. So I did. And we went there last night. And here, here's what's funny. We're like, in the morning, we're listening to Yes. Because we're huge Yes fans. And we get to the rainbow, and and our party is there, loved ones, family. And who's sitting at the first table at the bow last night? Chris fucking Squire, the carrot-fingered master of the four-string. The, the only member of Yes that has appeared on every single record. It's been there since the, since the beginning. And, you know, they're like... It's like the book of Genesis, although I'm getting prog rock confused metaphors here. But that's what it is. He's the man. He invented the prog base. And he's at table one. And I shook his hand. I ran into my friend Larry Miranda at the convention. And he puts on these cruises. He puts on these cruises. Monsters of Rock Cruise. April, the March 29th. But the cruise which is cool, and he's invited me to all of these, and it says I could read and tell stories on the boat. But the cruise I really want to go on is the cruise to the edge. Yes, Marillion, Steve Hackett, Queensryche, and many more. <laughs> God, are you kidding me? I sure hope they, they have a... A, a cannabis room on that boat for all the prog rockers. Are you, are you at sea? I know they don't, that there's been great films this year. I've seen a lot of the Oscar-nominated films, but I really believe my favorite movie of the year was Captain Phillips. It's not because I'm such a huge Tom Hanks fan because he made like, I guess, three of my favorite movies of all time which are Forrest Gump, Castaway, and That Thing You Do. <laughs> Is that what it was called, Mike? That Thing You Do? I think that's it. Yeah, he, he produced it. That just shows his Beatles heart is what it does. But Castaway is, if, that's, my, that's my favorite one. And Forrest Gump, because I've been a little, called to Forrest Gump in my career. It's kind of weird. Um, so really that's, and, and since I'm here on the weekend, I go, wait, Mike, I'll just come over and do the show. He goes, I would love to see you. And it's wonderful to be here. Oh, so bass players, Chris Wire. So I see Robert Trujillo and Chloe Trujillo 
his mystical bride who was on this podcast, if you go back to the archive and search either the iTunes or the Feed Burner archive, right, Mike? Yeah. And you search, you'll find Chloe Trujillo, and she was wonderful. So I saw her on the floor, and she's with she's with Robert, and Robert's handing out these baseball cards that say Jocko on them, J-A-C-O. Jocko as in Jocko Pastorius, the venerable jazz fusion bass player who Robert considers a hero. He has produced a documentary about Jocko, and he's really into getting the word out on it. So he goes, uh, Lon, we take this card and talk about it? I go, yeah, dude. Now I have now I have the better in than discussing, you know, the big motion picture that they Metallica made. Now I have a more organic way to get Robert on the show to talk about something he's passionate about. And which which this will bring me now and well, segue into the Facebook discussion I wanted to have. Um there got a lot so many Metallica haters. What is wrong with you people? They do things new all the time. That's why they're the greatest band, because they, they're not afraid to take chances. So they have a pianist on stage, and you're, like, hating, and they played one. What the fuck is wrong with that? Hello? Come on. That's when I met them, okay? When they were in the studio mixing that record. In 1987, that's when I met them. So obviously, and Justice for All is near to my heart, because that's when my relationship began with the band. And I took Bushman on the. I, I showed him the exact spot where I was standing between the Roxy and the Rainbow last night, where Lars and James were standing when they came up to me, and they, and, and Lars said something like, "Hey, man," and I said, "Hey, I'm Lon Friend. We have." I'm the editor of Rip. It's a new Larry Flint publication. He goes, like, ha fucking hostler? I said, yeah, dude. He goes, Lon Fran, did you write that article about Amber Lynn and Sharon Mitchell and fucking in Paris? I go, yeah, dude. Fucking great article, man. And James went, <laughs> let's get a beer. And we went next door. We had we had beers, and that was beginning my relationship with Metallica. So, so haters, shut up. Listen to the records. Don't hit the gay. Got successful. Do you know what Lars's net worth is? You could hate him for that. He's the second richest drummer in rock. Only Don Henley is, is more money. Don Henley's got 200 mil. Lars has 175 mil, according to the Wikipedia. What's your net worth? <laughs> I guarantee you, I have a robust Wikipedia page. There is no link for my net worth. I have no net worth. <laughs> But I am rich, man. If I could quote my dad when he sings Zero Mostel, if I were a rich man, yeah, ba -do -ba -do -ba -do. I am rich, abundant in many ways. Rich in spirit, rich in friends, rich in rock memories. So I'm expecting Jim Martin from Faith No More, and now he's jamming with Infectious Grooves. I'm expecting him to call in a, like, like 45 minutes or so if he doesn't oh you know even if he does that's okay because i have some really cool shit i i when i'm unpacking my stuff in vegas i found my tub that has all my old air checks from my kdc.com interviews and i interviewed some fucking serious folks man 
a really nice list from that year I I was with the the res the online resurrection the f the first streaming monolith knac.com and um I I interviewed Brian Johnson from ACDC at the Four Seasons Hotel in 2000 I don't remember what month and I drove right by it last night and when I was taking Bushman up to the Roxy I go okay so you want to see a couple spots highlights on Doheny he goes yeah dude I go there's the four seasons we're past and I go that's where I interviewed Brian Johnson in his room with Rob Jones holding on to the digital camera <clears throat> and that's where the Stones and, and Aerosmith stay they used to stay there and I, I I think I interviewed Steven Tyler once in his room at the four seasons he goes cool and then we drive another mile up or just about at Wilshire and that building on the corner, Wilson Doheny, I go, that was the rip offices. Now you're back to square one. He goes, cool. Now, see that restaurant with the lights in front? That's where I took Nirvana for lunch. That's the lunch at Nirvana at High Noon Chapter of Life on Planet Rock. Right there. It used to be called Say Yang. It was an elegant Chinese joint. And now it's uh, some, I don't know, Indian place or something. But that's the place. He goes, cool dude that's how bushman is everything's cool dude then you go up another mile and you're at fucking sunset in doheny and there it is he goes dude where's gazaris and then the key club it's closed right i go that's it right there it's closed yeah and it was gazaris and that was the key club now it's closed and we and and we get out of the car and there and the roxy's now closed where i spent much of the 70s many legendary nights and uh I guess it was bought by Live Nation. They're going to reopen it or something. But it's it's, it's dark now, so it was kind of weird weird being on, on that part of the street. Then we walk up to the whiskey because he, dude, the doors. I go, yeah, we're going to the whiskey. And then standing in front of the whiskey, I could hear inside. And I go, and then Diana texts me, and she goes, the Bengals are playing the whiskey. I'm going in. And so she shows up. And the Bengals are playing the whiskey, but I didn't, I'm just showing him around, so I didn't want to go inside. Although Vicky Peterson and Mickey Steele, who hasn't been in the band for a long time, but Vicky and Mickey used to come to the Rip offices and hang out because they're total rock chicks. All this is connected. So this is Energize the Lawn Friend podcast, and uh, yesterday was Eddie Van Halen's birthday. Um, so I have these ACDC sound, I have Brian, me and Brian Johnson sitting in a hotel room. That'll be coming up after, uh, I play a tune because I don't like to talk too long. Got to have breaks for music because this really, the music is what drives your soul, not my endless rambling. So it was yesterday. It was the master, the industrial king, the reinventor of the electric guitars. Birthday is 59th. Sir Edward, King Edward. This is for you. Happy birthday. One day late. This is Lon Fred. Sing it, Dave. Get tribal on us. Energize.
the way the line runs up the back of the stockings. I've always liked those kind of high heels, too. Don't take them off, don't take leave them off. Yeah, that's it. A little more to the right. Look, I'll pay you for it. What the fuck? David Lee Roth never had to pay a dime for pussy. Not in his life. So that's theater. Lon Friend energizes my podcast. It's a weekly show. Uh, lately, I've been in Skyping from the desert, but tonight I'm back in the studio in San Pedro. Happy to be here. Mike Stark on the other side of the glass. And you know how I tend to talk about things and I lose my way? So I was about to talk about Facebook because... I'm going to think about the Grammys and um, oh, I was talking about Metallica haters. Okay. So anyway, get the love in your hat back in your heart, please. Uh, here's a, here's a blabbermouth.net has a, has a link up Slayers. Jeff Hanneman snubbed during Grammy in memoriam. And I said, uh, part of my rant tonight, no doubt. <clears throat> and then, Chris Voyle says Grammy suck. Nosmo King says they also overlooked Robin Crosby from Matt when he from Rat when he passed away a couple years ago. Most Grammy folks. Janie Lane was excluded two years ago. That got on TV, but they te- but they put the TV actor guy in. And then I love this one by Jamie Lee. Janie Lane's dead. Rich Bongiorno. The Grammys have been anti-metal since they dubbed Metallica. Since, since since they let Jethro Tull beat Metallica. They miss Clive Bird, too, says T. Ray Verramo. But, you know, that's okay. I don't feed an institution. I don't need an institution to remind me of what or who to honor. Well, this is good. This is a good little thread. They forgot Trevor Boulder from Bowie's Spiders from Mars. All right, so here, this is where I'm going to get get onto my soapbox. Okay. Jeff Hanneman was the was <coughs> the guitarist in arguably the most influential thrash metal band in history, band that influenced the Metallica and countless other groups. They never once sold out to anybody. All they did was play live and spill blood on people and make you feel like when you went to their shows, if you got in the mosh pit, if you got injured, then you were being knighted and you felt alive. Uh, Slayer is an institution of metal. A key member of the band d- died. He didn't make the scroll. 
the Oscars every year doing in memoriam. <coughs> I know you see it because it rolls by and you go, oh, yeah, oh, I liked him. Oh, he was a character actor on Gilligan's Island episodes. Oh, that guy. And then it says, oh, he was the key grip in Ben-Hur. They cover everybody. They find out if you passed, they put your name on the scroll. But they, this is what Hollywood does. They honor their own. Here, here's the Grammy organization forgets the key, a, a key member of one of the biggest bands in the history of, of, of rock music. Not just metal, rock. You tell, you tell me that that group with all the lights going off, Macklemore or Buck, Bucklemore or whatever they're called, you tell me they're going to be around playing stadiums in 25 years in South America? No, 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 no. I don't think so. It's not, I'm not apples and oranges. I'm saying here's, this is a respect thing. But, but it, it essentially goes, it, it comes down to who's, edit, who's paying attention? What's the brain trust? Is there is it institutionalized disrespect for hard rock music? I don't know. The Grammys is it's not it's not an award show. It's a television show. It's entertainment. The other stuff's all secondary. It's how much can you charge the advertisers? And maybe the Oscars are a lot that way about that too. But there just seems to be something uh, more inclusive about the way. Hollywood handles their community. And I think one thing about musicians is if they're really, you know, genuine artists, they don't give a fuck about awards or Grammys. Not, you know, certainly the rock and roll. Well, it doesn't matter that you're being disrespected by an institution that doesn't respect you anyway, your music or the culture you live in or the fact that you could drink a lot of beer and get in a parking lot before a gig. Did they ever respect the Grateful Dead? Really? No. Why do you need that stuff? But there's a good reason why you can make an issue out of Jeff Hanneman's name is not on the scroll for In Memoriam. And why the key grip in Ben-Hur is, is on the scroll on the Oscars. So, oh, tell me, isn't just tell me. Yeah, Norman, of course, the great Norman Seif. Yeah, I was, I was talking, I, I guess, yeah, to somebody about uh, photographers because I, I stopped by this booth to see um, Lisa S. Johnson. It's got this extraordinary book called 108 uh, Guitars, and it is, it's, a, it's a fat coffee, leather-bound coffee table, and, it, and it, it is fo she photographed 108 of the most legendary guitars that belong to those artists. And there's anecdotes, but it's about the guitars. It's the stories about the guitars. And there isn't one photo of a rock star in this book. The, the axes are the stars. She's, she's just awesome. So I sat there in, in, her, in her little booth and she just went through page after page. And there's like two pages, three pages on Kim Thale from Soundgarden. And Kim Thale tells a story about how his one of his heroes, Ray Manzanero, was in a band called 801, and 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 I saw 801. Okay, 801 was one of my my brothers and Joe Bazell's favorite records. 801 Lives, 801 Live ranks with Lou Reed, Rock and Roll Animal, and the Who Live at Leeds as the, 
just one of the most fantastic live, captured live recordings. And Brian Eno was 801 with Phil Manzanera. So, um, yeah, that's that. And 801 has the 108 in. And she's into malas. And she's, there's all this mystical imagery in her text, in her in her uh, narrative. I just I fucking dig Lisa S. Johnson in her book. Uh, where was I? Oh, uh, guitars. So we start talking about photographers, and then and Bush Bushman later that day says, he goes, dude, Zolzauer didn't shoot the cover of Van Halen's Women and Children first, did he? I said, no. Zolzauer shot, covered David Lee Roth's Eat Him and Smile, and he did many sessions with them, But because I introduced Bush to Zolzauer yesterday. He was hanging around um, somebody's booth, Rock and Roll Industries, I guess. And I said, uh, no, no, that was like a, this is a fashion photographer. This is like a high fashion photographer at somebody. And then it, it's Norman Seif. Brilliant. Because that cover was so badass. The cover of Women, Children First. Don't you remember if you're as old as me? Well, few are. The, the, when you brought that vinyl home and cracked it open and how fucking cool that record was. Just listened to it all the way through and went, Gee, God, God, they just keep getting better and better. Fuck. That's what it's all about. Okay. So I'm going to play you. Here's the deal with this Brian Johnson stuff. It's not good quality because I'm sitting in like a hotel room like eight, ten feet away from Brian so we could shoot him and not be right on his face. And But you, you're you used to me being lo-fi. I mean, listen to me tonight. I'm back in the studio. Last week, I sound like I was on the moon in my living room. So really, it's about quality, not qual- Well, I don't know. The content, that's what it is. So this is Brian in the hotel, and he's riffing on, I think, Malcolm. I, I think I'm talking about Malcolm Young, a funny story that I had read. Now, this is 14 years ago. You know, we just listened to the conversation. It's really cool, and I'll be back. Energize. But we just did a thing in there, something we've never done before in Atlanta. A month ago, Electra had that yearly meet, and they said, please, would you come and sing some songs for them? I said, you know, for a record company that's, uh, you know, fucking pain in the ass. Well, okay, we'll do it, because we had a lot of friends who were, you know, so we to kind of sing five songs on my day off, you know. So we had to do four gigs in a row. Well, you and Metallica uh, keep that building standing. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, no. and, uh, It's not in Vogue's record sales that are keeping them going. <laughs> fucking right. That is fucking scary. <laughs> The last song, there was only suits there, and there was nothing good. I think it seemed for the first time. I mean, we were rocking good, you know. It was a little small stage, it was yeah. like going right back to the floor. Oh my god, just flooding event. Uh, and these suits were then, because there was an act on before us, but they were all miming. And, uh, and I, was, I was looking at all these suits just gone. And at the end, I said, I'm going to sing a song next, guys. Uh, I said, well, Yeah, we're going to do a song next. And I said, and I want you guys in the suits and heads of departments, I want you to think about what I'm going to say. The future of rock and roll is in your, in your hands. I said, I'm not going to speechify you, but it is. Think about the fucking responsibility you've got. You listen to the, the, this next song, and would it let that be rock? In the beginning, back in 19, you know. I don't have it anyway, but so whatever one of them just went, you know, he's fucking right. That's not even the clip I wanted to play, okay? So I stopped that one because I want to try the next one because the next one's better. So, Mike, let's play the next clip. And this is 
this is how slick I am in radio in 2000. I, I think I read that, that, that Malcolm left the tour in 89. Yes. And his uh, brother came in and nobody, cousin, no, his cousin, cousin Steve. Stevie. Huh? And nobody noticed. He looks exactly like him. <laughs> <laughs> how many shows did you guys do and never told anybody that Malcolm was off the uh, tour? About, uh, about five months. You're telling me that in one city, some reporter didn't well, say. Well, some, some of them, you know, I mean, some of them already, you know, would tell them beforehand the report, as okay. an so there wouldn't be any embarrassment. But the fans, a lot no. of the fans were going, you should, you know, a lot of, one called me up and I said, geez, Miles put a little weight on that. <laughs> If he adds a pound, you'll notice. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And he had all the moves. He had the head and uh, everything. No, no. He's a good, he's, he's a good man. You know, he had about these uh, alcohol problems and he did it uh, in, a, in a manly, you know, way. He just, an honorable way, he just said, I cannot play any for more guys. He said, this is, this is killing me. And uh, he, he stopped, you know, he went to AAA, he did the, right down to the first class, I am an alcoholic, and all the way through. And he's been straight ever since, you know, I'm proud of, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of working with him. You know, and all that sounds like, you know, you know, bomb fucking or whatever, but it's not, I mean, you've got another man, he's uh, honest, he's, you know, he's got principles that, you know, like he just went through a bit of shit lately when the Beastie Boys phoned him up and said, we want to do Band Black. But we want to change the name of it. We want to call it Rock Hard. And we'll give you 50% of the royalties in Melbourne. Fuck off. And he said, and he said, oh, come on, everybody does it now. And then poor Mile, who had to be the one to explain, he said, listen, guys, you know, we don't make people copy my songs. You know, that's a, that's a true form of, you know, you know it, it, makes, it makes us feel good and, it, and it's, it's an honor, you know. Theft. I said, you know, I said it. I tried to explain it's like me writing a book, then you changing the cover and getting half the royalties for it. And people thinking that you would. He said, you know, you're playing to a new, a different generation from us, or maybe a, a new people might buy it, and they might think that you wrote that. We don't want that. You know, we want, we're proud of that. It's kind of hard to he- understand Brian sometimes, even if he was like sitting right here in the room the way he talks. <laughs> that, that, Celtic, Celtic accent he has, you know that 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 Sean Connery accent. <laughs> but um, okay, so I'm gonna play one more segment. This is uh, this is uh, him. He bags on Jefferson Starship and boy bands, and oh, I forgot how funny this was. Now, if you can understand what he's saying, you'll laugh too. TV? Did they ask you to do like the video music awards and uh, and yes, they did like that. Something. Well, I was said no. And, um, you know, we've always just said, uh, why, you know, what's the fucking point? <laughs> you know, players. Oh, what we do? I said, don't lie. <laughs> Talk about the shit you play. Don't start lying. I've got the paper. <laughs> <laughs> two, two spins in 94. Uh, it took 30 in the morning. <laughs> Was it you lying bastards? You never played us. You never wanted to. We weren't cool when rock was cool. 
because it wasn't the fucking great counter rock. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, and I would say, nah, yes, it was. You'd be a fucking journey to the fucking TV. I fucking found nothing. Yeah. You know, and I, I said, and then, of course, that classic rock song, We Built This City on Rock and Roll. I said, oh, there's a cracker. Fuck off. <laughs> I said, if that was San Francisco, I'd be ashamed of that. We built the city. And I'm right there. You sing it right. Rock and roll. Fuck off, please. Die. You know, but anyway. You know, I remember hearing that song. The first time I heard that song, I had my mouth wet off again. <laughs> We're looking for people as, as a witness. I'm going, it's probably not fucking happening. I'm probably drunk. But I was fucking wrong. But there was, a, there was a guy sitting in a room, a really important guy who had a big expense account and a huge fucking office that said, this is rock and roll. We're going to take this one all the way uh, to number one. No, no. But, uh, but that same guy now probably manages in sync. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. I've got a bit I can just see them like two or three years ago now, but when the new door came out, I went under. Yeah. I swear that they're not really sitting on. Some good idea, this, you know, like, fuck, fuck rock bands, because they want their own. I know what we'll do. We'll just get five young lads, pretty lads, who want to be actors, and they can sing a bit and do a bit of tap dancing. Then we'll make our own band. We'll give them a frickin' wage, rip them off blind, and we'll just have them. And if they do get antsy, we'll fucking start another one. You know, <laughs> we'll just get five more in. Yeah. And that's what it is. England was great for that thing. Uh, about six, seven years ago, there was this band called Take That Or. Take That? I said, it was huge, you couldn't fucking move. Yeah. I, 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 I was standing there in London at this hotel and I was doing interviews there and I came in one day, I couldn't get in the freaking hotel and it was crap. with women from Ottawa, Italy, France, all the fans and all And the guy that worked at the hotel, this like security guy, he, he called me and said, excuse me, do you have a pass to be in here? I said, yeah, park me fucking car and shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> And he went, what? <laughs> Customer, fucking number one. Give him park that bastard car now, or I'll fucking see the manager. That will right, right away, sir. I've yet got a pass. I'm still in the fucking <laughs> What take that was then? Backstreet Boys and Instinct yeah. are now. Little that's girls right. need to have that, but that's never been music or yeah. rock and roll. That's image, and that's teen hormones yeah. and pinups. That's, that's right, you know, what I needed that and all. You know, everybody needs that for the little girlies and all that. Yeah. But now they've elevated to some kind of oh, norm. Like, well, this is music. And at the end, it's through, it's disposable junk it's food. It's not, it's it, just, it, you know. it's temporal and it will be gone soon. But you, you know, obviously if you got one of them albums and put it up against the Take That album, play, and I'll, I bet the similarities would be so Straight. glaring. Yeah. It would be, you'd be frightening. I bought the same fucking record twice. And I'm, honestly, it's that fucking close. The voices that they you know, they have. I know. It's the formula. It's, you know. It's a scary uh, it, it is scary, you know. Yeah. And that has given away to the worst beast of all, ladies and gentlemen. One Direction. The end times answer to Backstreet Boys. This is for you who rock. I fucking salute you from my heart. Thank you.
look at this. The files are over here, sir. It's the biggest room I've ever been in. You can't even see the ceiling. Strictly speaking, there isn't one. Valentine. Hmm. The V's should be in one of these cabinets. How'd they get all the fog on the floor like some kind of movie? I'm afraid the movies are only a pale imitation. Here, this should be the one. V. 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 Ah, here it is. Henry Francis Valentine. That's me. Born Brooklyn, New York, cried a lot as a baby. I did? At age six, tortured small dog. Why not? It bit me. At age seven, began stealing toys from Dime Store. Age eight, organized street gang known as the Angels. <laughs> How about that? Great bunch of kids. That's what we called ourselves, the Angels. Can you believe it? Age nine, broke into bicycle store. Age ten, beat up smaller child, hospitalized with injuries. Hey, what is this anyway? Your permanent record, sir. But it goes on for pages and pages. Nothing but all the bad things I ever did. It's thick as a book. I don't get it. Get what? You don't think there was a mistake, do you? Not likely. Then don't figure. Where's the good stuff? I wouldn't worry, sir. I'm sure the record is quite complete. Well, hey, if it don't bother him, then I guess I ain't gonna let it bother me, you know what I mean? I believe I do. Seen enough? Yeah. Plenty.
Energize the Lawn Friend podcast. That CD was in my trunk. It's been there for like a year, a year and a half. I used to listen to it a lot. Here's the here's the random way I came across this CD. It's the Deadly Birds, the Lost Weekend EP. They they're they're kind of a Viper Room band, one of Dale Gloria's bands, and they're I saw them once there, but this is there. I was having lunch with another um, um, band, Viper Room band. This is a year and a half or so ago, two years. What are they called? Warner Drive. Warner Drive. Okay, so so when I saw Warner Drive, I was like completely drawn to rhythm guitarist Candice Levinson because <clears throat> she's fucking awesome. She's hot, and I could see that she's just growing as a guitarist. She she's a little bit reserved, and I said, you know what? Why don't why don't you come and have a hot dog with me and up on Pico, and we'll talk about your your your, your music. So she met me up there, and then there were these two odd chicks um, who like go to shows and stuff. And they were sitting. They were they had lunch with us too, and the, this one girl who's just so strange and random hands me the CD says you want to hear the best fucking band the deadly birds so she hands me this CD and she's right it was great and I listened to it a lot and then I put it in my trunk and it's where it's been for like a year and a half and I found it and I said oh I'm gonna play a tune so I get random texts from Candace Levinson every now and then I haven't seen her in forever i haven't seen her band play in a while i'm sure she's her chops are sharpening and stuff she looks awesome on stage blonde fucking killer body and tight pants and and mean whirly bird sort of way of playing the guitar like crunchy riffy sort of way of playing the guitar and she feels it she's a little bit conservative she was a little conservative she wasn't busting out because if she's totally busting out, then, you know, things would be evolving quicker. Because you've got fear will just hold you back, especially in rock and roll. But I bet you sure she's gotten more fearless. And she's not listening. She doesn't pay attention. <laughs> Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. Okay, so that's... And then ACDC. Oh, how great. Those about to rock. Uh, oh, when's the last time? Forum. Before they remodeled, when it was still the dingy, drafty, wonderful form from my 70s. What, five years ago, ACDC played there? Man, was that, that was a backstage. That was the night that, okay, that was the night that, that um, Dimes, Dimes Widow, Rita Abbott, Rita Rockin' Abbott, who can fucking drink anybody under the table, she got a little bit too happy. And Dave Grohl was there, and he was getting happy. But we took a crazy picture on my Facebook page. You can find it. That that was such a great night. That was that was the last time I like kind of had cocktails with Dave Grohl. Sort of missed that. Now he's on the Grammys. He didn't have to do that, but he's such a Beatle, Paul McCartney guy, like me. So, wow, there's a lot going on, and there's nothing going on. Who are these other... Okay, so I have all these cards from the NAM. Oh, I met this guy. Here's it. Ulf Zick. Ulf. U-L-F. Spotify artist ambassador, Berlin, Germany. 
Lawn Friend, I know you. Rip Magazine, Lawn Friend. I, I'd like. I'm Spotify Germany. Maybe you'd like to be a correspondent here for Spotify. Your knowledge. I give you my card. You write me. We talk about it. I said, okay, sure. I ate uh, with Bushman at this place called the Kokoro Sushi, Japanese place. Unfucking believably good on Harbor Boulevard in Fountain Valley. Like I like I go to Fountain Valley. So we just found this place as it's really close to the to the theater where they did the Randy Rhodes thing. Oh, this really weird chick named Amy. She's she was uh, Amy Harwick. Was she the weird one? Amy Harwick. I don't remember. Met a bunch of girls at that thing. Some of them drink like it's you know 1989, and they can't. They're not. They're not attractive. It's not good. You're not wearing it well. Boy, they were some fucking artists, and I'm not going to mention names. Real casualties, man, who just, they got to put so much cake on their face just to, like, be seen in public, and it was really fucking sad. Made me feel, like, really? Just don't come out if you're going to have to just plaster that much cake on your face to come out, and it's all cracking and stuff. Or a couple of those 80s chicks there. Really don't stay in. Write your memoir. <laughs> oh, so I got a Facebook message um, uh, from uh, Drama Free in Canada, and she, you know she's the one that put me in touch with... Uh, with Chloe Trujillo, and she says that she, now she's she thinks Bobby Brown wrote a really good book, Janie Lane's ex, and that I should have her on the podcast. So she's connecting me to her. I met Bobby Brown once. I met her on the Great White, once bitten twice shy shoot. That was pre Cherry Pie when her star really rose. But I said, well, I'm going to have to read her memoir first and see if there's evolution there. Because if it's, it's just talking about guys she fucked, you know, well, why? What's, there's, there's got to be some fucking lessons and messages for the youth. Don't forget, kids are reading and paying attention, listening to the tunes, and they, they, they get want stuff. And that's why Dave Grohl's teaching us a lot. A lot. Just by his the, his the way he carries himself, his pure love of music and his such respect and reverence for the history. That's why I made that great documentary, Sound City. <sighs> so Jim Martin's supposed to call soon. I want to play that Foo Fighters song, Mike. Pull it, bring it down a little. The acoustic one that I love so much. Yeah. Does that, does that work? Will that work? Okay, so I'll be back in a few minutes. This is Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast. Side to 
Well, it's lonesome in this old town. Everybody puts me down. I'm a face without a name. Just walking in the rain, going back to Houston. Houston, Houston. I got the holes in both of my shoes. Well, I'm a walking case of the blues. Saw a dollar yesterday, but the wind blew it away. Going back to Houston. Houston, Houston. I haven't eaten in about a week. I'm so hungry when I walk, I squeak. Nobody calls me friend. It's sad the shape I'm in. Going back to Houston, Houston, Houston. Back to Houston, Houston, Houston. I got a girl waiting out for me. Well, at least she said she'd be. I got a home and a big warm bed and a feather pillow for my head. Going back to Houston, Houston. Well, it's lonesome in this old town. Everybody puts me down. I'm a face without a name. Just walking in the rain, going back to Houston, Houston, Houston. Going back to Houston, Houston, Houston. That was the great Dean Martin, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Casey Gaysom, shouting that one out to Christina Silva in Houston, Texas, Facebook friend of Lawn Friends. That's for you, Christina. That was my Casey Gaysom. Because I do requests. Sometimes I do requests. And when somebody writes to me and I play a request, feels good. Uh, lifting people up, energizing people. Being graceful, having compassion, not hating. Sharing the love as we approach February 9th, 19th, 50th anniversary of the Beatles, February 9th, 2014, coming 50 years since I was born. Bought my first album, Meet the Beatles, day after the Ed Sullivan show. I was seven. I was seven. My penis was so tiny. Music was so big. The effect was huge. Huge. <clears throat> so I've been living in Vegas I'm doing some writing, working on a really important article. The link will be up in three weeks on my page. Um, but I, I pitched this, this editorial I want to write to the 
Seven Magazine people. I said, I'd, I, I would like very much to write a 500-word editorial, first person, very personal, very intimate, on um, February 9th, on the 50th anniversary of the Beatles. And I would like to see the love show at the Mirage and let that be the the you know the background. I want that's what I, that's what I want to do. Can I can I do that, please? Sounds pretty good. We can hook you up for that. It's great having hookups. Hookups rock. <laughs> Come on in, Lon. Who who do you have with you? Doesn't matter. There, bring them all in. 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 Bring them all. You know that Mike Scott song. Bring them all in. Bring them all in. Bring them all in. Bring them all in. Bring them all into my heart. Find that on YouTube. Great song. You know what I noticed listening to last back to last week's podcast? I clear my throat a lot, like my brother does. That's so not unprofessional. But (laughs) who's a professional? Hi, Diana. You want to talk? Get the mic. It's my intern, Diana Bird. Hello. Am I on? Yeah, you're on. I can barely hear myself. Just, well, turn, you have to turn your thing up a little bit. My thing, okay, my thing's turned up. Okay. What's up? What's going on? I'm just writing notes and you stuff. You said you started Bar- Bobby Brown's book? Yes, I did. And I that started. you don't find much Janie Lane in it, more Tommy Lee? I... Well, yeah, it was all about, well, I'm not finished How with far it. in are you? I'm about a quarter away. It's it's really... How, how deep in are you? <laughs> I mean, I love Bobby Brown because I watched that ex-wife's rock show and she's cool. But it it doesn't seem like it was... I don't know. I don't want to say anything bad give about it, it. Give us an anecdote that she recounts in the book that you found. Well, she always talks about Tommy Lee. So there's like, more there's stories Tommy. about Tommy Lee. There's, than the- there's like more pictures about of Tommy. There's just like, uh, I think that, I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with being in love with Tommy Lee still, but I feel like there's still that Tommy. Are there any specific references to Tommy Lee's penis being bigger than Janie Lane's? Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. See, I haven't got that far. I just want to know, I, I want to know how that. deep she went in this memoir well, I how think, she cut herself open to harvest the truth i think what they did in the memoir is a lot of it you know, i mean obviously there's a ghost writer so there's a lot of like they want to get that dirt and juice for you know publicity. it's not a ghost writer if you put your name on a first person memoir that's not ghost it's somebody helped her but she's writing in first person in this memoir i yeah. i smoked janie's pole before the Mm-hmm. I, I, but he took my I, my roller skates off. I don't know if the other off. lady's name's on it though, but she had someone writing. He it had several helpings of my cherry pie. Does she get metaphorical? <laughs> okay. How, does she talk about his tragic death? His death is. I'm not that. That would be closer to the end, and I haven't finished. Okay. It. Well, thanks it's for not, so much substance to you. It's your not so, okay. <laughs> it's not that deep. It's not. You know, when you read a book like The Dirt or like Steven Tyler's book, you know, when you read a but like that oh, that's life on planet subject. rock book by Lon Friend. <laughs> Shut up. When there's a little bit of depth to it, you want to keep reading the next page. It's not like that for me with that book. It's like another, I feel so bad for saying this, but it's like another 
Hollywood blonde girl writing a book. I, but I love vi- it. Vi- it's vi- so victim cool. Victim book, like victim of the celebrity, victim of the city, mm-hmm. victim of the de- victim of the parents and the debauchery. You know, the whole... Oh, bad upbringing. Yeah, yeah, alcoholic dad. Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, it's the, and, and then it, which I, I mean, don't mean to trivialize. It's just, boy, is that a recurring theme. Yeah, that's the thing. I wanted a little bit more of like, Mm -hmm. not what I've read for the last 20 years about girls in LA. You know, I wanted a different story. I mean, she was raised in Louisiana. Like, obviously some cool stuff happens there. Yeah, totally. So. she Maybe she and Phil Anselmo could have hooked up in a. Earlier. I mean, there are some funny stuff in it too, but it just it doesn't it does it's not that book that I'm gonna cry like right. Tommy Land or anything like that. I I cried. I wept. It 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 it's sad. Yeah, the book isn't isn't good, and that's an end of that. Sorry, I wish I had a better review. When so, I finish it, I it's will. okay. So Jim Martin was gonna call. He must not have gotten the message. <laughs> See, you, you could see how completely attached and stressed I am about everything in my life right now. Oh, 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 he didn't call. Oh, that's cool. Be, but it'll like be like Andrew Dice Clay. Remember those of you, my loyal handful. When uh, when Dice just didn't call, and then he felt bad, and his, and, and and he called again and said, apologized and did the show and. Um, and Big Stew was my sponsor then, and and he he did a shout out. I don't know why I'm talking about this. You could, look, we live in a podcast world. It's all archived. It's all there. All you have to do is dig. Put on your mining shoes. Put your put the helmet on that has the lamp on it, so you can go and spelunk for some class for vintage lawn bites. Go in and look around. Straighten out the closet. You'll find some gems. Got to hug Mike Portnoy yesterday, day before yesterday. That was good because his the show he did after my mom passed was very special. It's not like I'm like working the archive. I'm into the now, right here. I'm here in San Pedro, the LA Radio Studio, doing my show. <coughs> Hold on, I got to look at my songs because I wrote down some songs, and then oh oh yeah oh. Oh, I had a song for Faith No More. Oh, but but he hasn't called. Okay, so that's not going to work. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. All right, then. So maybe we should play that Gene Vincent song. <laughs> what do you think? Bushman says, dude, dude, do you fucking like Gene Vincent? I go, fuck, of course I love Gene Vincent. He goes, dude, do you know? And then he tells me a song. I go, just give me the title. I'll send it to Mike. We'll play it tonight. That's how we roll. Fucking sweet Gene Vincent. Baby 
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, iTunes, Feed Burner, LA Radio Studio, uh, Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, Facebook. Just I tweet once a day. I've tweeted once this week. I don't really get Twitter. I'm not good at it. I don't understand all the symbols or why you have to put a pound sign, eat my shorts, and that's supposed to open some window to some amazing thing. I don't get it. I don't want to get it. But I care that there's like 1,400 people that follow me for some reason. So you talk amongst yourselves. I just have to, I could barely handle Facebook because I'm really getting prepared to write my third book. And I'm in the desert and it's good. It's good. Um, oh, I want to tell you something. Oh, so next week I'll be back in the desert on Skype and I'll try to get Jeff Young's board going again. Boy, did Jeff Young fucking kick ass at the Brandy Rhodes. He busted out his Flying V, which he plays most eloquently. Then I run into Nick Mensa on the floor, and we talk for like 15 minutes. And it's so funny because it's like it's like the children of Dave Mustaine. They're like scattered all over the convention. That like 40 people that, that were in Megadeth. <clears throat> I ran into James Lomenzo. Hello, James Lomenzo. I said, dude, Shibuya Ku, 1989. Yes, went to fucking Japan with White Lion in 1989. Had the best time. It was amazing. We were there for like five days. I fell in love with all those guys. Mike Tramp brought flowers to my wife when Megan was born. 24 years ago in March. So Lomenzo and I sit there and we were in a he, Starbucks at the Marriott. We start talking. <clears throat> I go, James, it's so funny because I was doing my show in Jeff Young's house and like all these ex Megadeth guys, he goes, "Yeah, I had, a, I, had my, I had my time," and uh, you know who I'm playing with now, Lon. I go, who, "Who are you playing with now?" He goes, "Dude, John Fogerty." I went, "Credence, Big Lebowski." I grew up on Credence. Awesome. He goes, "It is awesome." These are the kind of veteran touring music musicians, studio touring musicians, multitasking players. 
and they go from gig, they stay a few years in a gig, they go to another gig, stay a few, but they're always giving it their all, always playing hard. Like I ran in, like who else I see, a Rav Pilsen, Ravinder, that's Jeff Pilsen's wife. Jeff, we know Jeff Pilsen from Doc and Bane Bass and all, you know, the great metal ballads that Doc and released in the late 80s. But where's Jeff been for the last many years? Foreigner. Obviously making some cake. But he's such a nice guy. The reason why NAM is cool is because it's an environment where musicians move freely around the masses without big entourages. And you can, they're approachable. It's not threatening. So it's, it's, it's a very cool place. You can stop anyone from a, an icon like Tony Levin, who's played bass with Peter Gabriel for 35 years, the stick. You can stop him in the hallway and, and, and just have a chat with him. Or you can wait in line and, and, and see, you know, Vinnie Paul sign, and he'll sign your thing, your, whatever you have. And then it's great. And then all the gear companies and you just feel like you're in a, a real and uh, kinetic environment for people that love music. And the rock people at NAMM, I have 75%. And there's, there's 150,000 people there and so many great musicians from across the spectrum. But really the rock people are the ones that stick out. It's like they're the, it's like they're the zombies that took over the village. The, 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 all the metal shirts and the tattoos, just so many, so many tattoos, really. It's like a Starbucks in Long Beach. Just walk in, everybody's got a tattoo. Everybody. Except me. What's wrong with that dude? That, that dude with the goatee. <clears throat> Portnoy's goatee is like blue. He goes, Lon, this would look good on you. I go, you think? He goes, yeah, dude. I said, Larry Flint told me to dye my goatee. He goes, so what are you waiting for? I said, I feel that I should reflect my my pain, my years, my wisdom, my journey. It should be on my face. So this, my gray is my truth. Why cover it up? He goes, good point. Plus, I have a face for radio. Always have. I got to go on the cruise to the edge with yes. <laughs> Two weeks I'll be in Los Angeles for the uh, musical box shows. Just Google musical box. They're the Genesis, the Gabriel era Genesis tribute band. They're beyond amazing. Saw them. Saw them in uh, Vegas. My brother and I went in like 2005. They played like they were in a stadium. It was amazing. And they're doing, they're playing here two nights. And my friend Jay Vinitsky, Prague brother, who started his new job at New Line Cinema today. He's like a big fuck shit, big shot movie dude. But he's a rocker. <clears throat> and he's the sweetest guy. He goes, I'm bringing you in for these shows. I go, well, what about my podcast? Can I stay an extra day? He goes, whatever you want. Well, if I'm going to fly, I won't have my car. I'll drive you down there. I said, then you're going to be on the show and we're going to talk Prague. He goes, whoa. Okay. <laughs> so that's going to be in two weeks. Look, it's almost like I have structure in the schedule. 
Let me look at my really busy schedule. Oh, shit. Oh, I'm booked on Oprah that day. Fuck. I can't. God, I hope Oprah understands that I'm going to see Musical Box. <laughs> you understand Big O, don't you? You know, I've always wanted to be on the O. That's, that is sort of one of my, you know, I was doing my bucket list in my head recently. And I had on, I had, um, make love to Livia Wilde. Find out if she really is shaped. Um, not really. That's not one of them. Although I would hugely. God, I love her so much. Um, sort of. I love everybody. I, you know, I'm alone. I'm alone, but I belong to everybody. Playing St. Andrews, bucket list. Playing St. Andrews because people come up to me at the Nam show. They go, "Lon, can you introduce me so and so?" That's on my bucket list. I, I, I have to meet. Phil Campbell. <laughs> it's on my bucket list. Oh, sure, dude. Um, my bucket list says other more eclectic, odd things. Meeting people. I mean, come on, taking a lavender bath with Olivia Wilde. Bucket list. Thanks. Shut up. You're not getting a bath. Shut up. <laughs> tease. Diana, tease. So, anyway, so um, I'm going on the cruise because Larry said I can come. And we were listening this morning to Yes, Me and the Bushman talking about his rip resurrection and take to take it slow and to do what he's doing on his social network pages because he gets ridiculous traffic. He puts up the birthday thing for Van Halen yesterday. He goes, dude, I just checked. 22,000 people read my Van Halen post. 22,000 people read a post on his page. I have an energized page that in a year almost hasn't cracked 900 likes. <laughs> Welcome to New Age Marketing 101 with Lawn Friend. Do you want to get your word out? Stay away from Lawn Friend. And I'm going to put my M back in my byline when I'm writing this year. Lon M friend. Remember that day I know I was Lon M friend? Oh, I'm, I'm a Lon M friend friend. Yeah, that was my second page. I'm going to have to consolidate my Facebook pages. I'm going to do some work on getting my my online presence more organized or not. I'm not going to join anything new like... Instagram. Yeah, Instagram or Pinterest or Fuck Bucket. What's, what are the other ones? There's... What are the other ones? There's other ones. There's Instagram, Pinterest, Photo Bucket, Photo Fuck Bucket, Tumblr, yeah. Tumblr. What Twitter. the fuck is Tumblr? I don't. I only have Facebook and Instagram. How do people maintain and I don't go profiles on, on all of these networks when people and the most people who can maintain them are kind of bored? I think. Well, I got stuff to do this exactly. year. Yes. I have spirits to write. You don't raise. have time for Instagram. I have hashtags. words to write. I, I, fuck hashtags. You don't have time for that. I'm, I don't even eat hash browns anymore. I'm taking See, care of myself. You're so serious. I'm done about with life. butter and potatoes, and butter. I haven't had a French fry in a month. Butter. I love butter. Ooh. Do you ever see Last Tango in Paris? No. Oh shit. Mike knows what I'm talking about. Is there a butter reference? 
<coughs> anyway, this is Lawn <laughs> Friend. This is my podcast. I think all of you out there, you are my Starship Troopers. I'll see you next week. I love yes better than no. Bless you all. Take off. See you.
This is one of the great prog rock finales here. The way it builds, like you're going up the mountain with Chris and Steve and Ian. Not Ian. John and Rick and Alan. I'm just going to count it a breakdown in communication with Jim Martin, my friend, Faith No More. I'm going to hit him up, find out what happened. You can't let anything bother you in life. You just have to be a trooper and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward and upward like this song. Turn it up. That's what Prague does, man. Takes you to the star. 